Yo, I'm just checking. <laughs> Say something. Words. Okay, yeah, you're good. <laughs> Words. All right, you ready? Yeah. Hey, folks. Uh, this is the 4099 Podcast with your host, Dima. And Nick is out somewhere in the north doing his thing. I'm not going to give too many details away, but he's not going to be here with us for episode 11 but i just want to say to all of our beautiful beautiful listeners and viewership hello once again it's great to be back the virus has been hitting hard and thankfully um thankfully we could kind of stick around and continue doing this thing and you know um keep it moving today we have an amazing friend really interesting person um we just met probably a couple months ago, right? Right, right. Gosh, through a mutual friend. But for everyone, this is... Armand. Armand. Nice, nice to meet y'all. Yeah. Um, Thanks for the coin, true. Absolutely, dude. I, you know, try to... I try to make sure that everyone has cool intros just so that, like, you know, everyone's hyped and like, oh, who are we listening to? Who's on, <laughs> who's on there, you know? But, um, yeah, dude. Eyeball maker. Um really into music I'm really into music um, you know that's how we bonded yeah exactly we bonded over music and I think I try to have and we try to have interesting guests over and something that really like threw me for a loop when I first met you is you make eyeballs yep uh, I am an ocularis an apprentice ocularis um, so someone who makes prosthetic guys that's the title ocularis um, the way I got into it was my high school band teacher is married to my boss. Um, my high school was putting, I, I like, like, I love to tease my high school band teacher. And it was just fun to like, just, Oh, Hey, Mr. Jefferson, like, you know, the episode of South park when Michael Jackson moved to town, he moved by Mr. Jefferson, you know, like, shit like that. Yeah. And so like, I was like, I'm going to shadow your wife and find some dirt on you. <laughs> And make fun of you. And it was all innocent. Like, she told me some, like, innocent stuff. Like, oh, you know, you guys ears pierced and, like, something like that. Which well, not saying that's a bad thing. But right. I guess for, like, people that age back in the day, that was, like, taboo for guys to get the ears pierced. Anyways. So, like. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Like, I know it's, like, societal standards. Like, tattoos, colored hair, and stuff like that. That's becoming more acceptable in the professional life. That's the same. And, like, I get it. Like, I get, ta- like, tattoos can, like, be taboo in the professional setting. But it really doesn't hinder your work like hell i have tattoos and yet i can still make an eye no one cares i have tattoos all they care about is does their eye match their other one Mm -hmm. you know but anyways fast forward making fun of him that turned into a career and like it's it's funny how things can like snowball into another uh, what is it ocu ocularis yeah so that became a profession not making fun of your high school band teacher (laughs) right 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 right. (laughs) let's make that clear yeah um so yeah, so it's, uh, it's right now in the College of Ocularistry. I'm in first of its class. It's a brand new thing because ocularistries are very secretive. Um, there's about 180 to 200 ocularistries in both the U.S. and Canada. Wow. So there's very, very few of us. And on top of that, um, each place has its own unique way of making an eyeball. So okay. there's no really mainstream way of making a prosthetic eye. The only mainstream way is like the stock eyes. And that's really just like in a factory get a factory, like a general shape, a general color. It's a very obvious fake eye. Right. Um, and how, what's the process of someone getting, like, who do you, who do you usually, like, what kind of people usually come in and, you know, uh, like, 
you like, know, need eyeballs and stuff. We see all walks of life, like all the way from a newborn to like, hell, there's this one patient I have to see her twice a month to polish her eyes. She's 102. Mm. Um, we see like gang, gang, uh, gang bangers. Like I made one for this one, like rapper. He was in bloods, got shot in the head, made him his eye. He got shot in the head. I've met several people that were shot in the head and oh. lived. Like oh my God. one day I was just like, I was sitting there painting this guy's eye and I was like, he was shot in the head and lived. And then I thought like, I have met so many people that are in the same shoes and lived, like should have been dead. Um, it's sad when it's like self-inflicted, mm. especially when they have like brain damage and they can't function anymore. Mm. Um, but then there's people born without eyes, car accidents, the craziest way. Um, there's this lady, she was driving down this road, minding her own business, and a duck flew through her windshield and stabbed her in the eye, lost her eye. What? Those are the freakiest ones when you just mind your own business and then something just hits you. And like, like So literally the duck went through the windshield and directly into her eye. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. He pierced it and See, like, folks, anything is possible. That's crazy. I do not trust lawnmowers in baseball games anymore. Every what? time I drive by or walk by a lawnmower, I always turn my head or close that eye that, that it's on. Because so many times I've heard a rock hit, like, the blade and right Oh, out. my gosh. So, like, yeah. Every single time I pass by, like, one of those, yeah. I always turn away because, like, not happening. Yeah, not messing with the, not messing with the lawnmowers. Right, right. So everyone, everyone comes in and um, any, any kind of person comes in and that's not something that anyone really even considers or thinks about. That's why I find um, what you do so interesting. Um, and you said it is a very close knit group of people that yeah. it's usually you said familial. Yeah. So like um, majority of these business models are all family businesses. Uh-huh. Um, now that's not necessarily the best business model because what happens when your kid doesn't want to do it. And that is the case where I work. Um, their kids don't want to do it. They want to do other things. Um, like my boss's son wants to be like a neurosurgeon. The other one's getting into music. And so they don't want to do anything with eyeballs, mm. which I can completely re- relate to. I grew up in a family business. I grew up in a pizza restaurant. Mm. Um, my dad very much wanted my brothers and I to take over, but we didn't want to make pizzas. We wanted to do our own things. Like mm-hmm. the oldest one, he works on airplanes, the other, uh, middle child. He, he enjoys the culinary arts. He was a cook for years, but now he wants to be an intelligence officer in the Navy. And so he's like moving forward with that. And me, um, when I was a freshman in high school, my, um, world history teacher said that Hulk Hogan analyzed his personality to see what field he would be most successful in. And then he realized he was a huge dude. He was a Hulk Hogan or one of those like 80s mm-hmm. wrestlers. He realized he was a huge dude and like big personality. He's like, I could be a pro wrestler. So I was like, well, what is my personality best suit? Mm-hmm. And so I tried several different jobs, sales. Um, I internship at DA's office. Um, I the district did, attorney. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I did, so like, what is that law or something? Yeah. So like um, my coworkers, hus- ex-husband was my county's DA. And so, you know, as a kid, I was like, I want to be a lawyer or doctor or some shit. And so I was like, all right, let me try out law. Let me shadow this, see what it's like. And it was a fuck ton of paperwork. Everyone over there was just moody because you hear all these sad stories. Granted, I hear sad stories all the time in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like kind of like a different type of helping. Granted, like, I'm sure the people who go in this line of work want to help people and mm-hmm. this is their facet of doing it. 
but it didn't resonate with me. It was too much paperwork, too much indoors. I would hate being inside all day and leaving it, leaving leaving the office and it being dark outside at wintertime. Like, oh, that would get to me. Mm. Um, and like, I, I, I just, I can't do paperwork. Like, it, my mind would just wander me and neither, like, man. I would just get lost. Yeah, it just me neither. Right, it so reminds me it. too much of school. Right, right. <laughs> so like, being in an, like, I'm still in an office setting, but like, I'm sculpting. I'm painting, like I'm crafting something that someone will use for their face. And like when they see it and like, this is acceptable for me to use as part of my face. And then seeing that smile when they're like, I have an eye back and they give them a sense of normalcy. Mm. Granted, they're still normal with or without that eye. Right. It's just, it helps them realize that they are still normal. Mm. Um, and then helping, oh, sorry. My bad for cutting you off. What is, just so that we can give um, our viewers and our listeners an idea, what is usually the process of a person getting an eye? And how, like, yeah, walk me through that. From like losing the eyeball to like getting Like they've lost the eye and they come into you guys. What would be the process of, would you have to sit down with them, analyze their eyes? Like what, what how does that work? Okay, so we see them six weeks post-op it takes six weeks for them to fully heal from their operation on average mm-hmm. um once they're fully healed um we'll do an evaluation see where they're at um see where the implant is take some notes um see what type of implant they have and then um we'll schedule them for appointment once they come in for the appointment then we'll fit them um we'll take this uh substance called vinyl poly- uh, polysiloxane it's a silicone based substance it takes about a minute to three minutes for it set up depending on your body temperature the hotter you run the quicker it sets up um, once we get that impression we get the actual shape of their eye socket and so the implant takes up about 80 percent while we take up the rest mm-hmm. and so we once we get that impression we make a wax model based off that impression the reason why we use wax because you can whittle it manipulate it and you know add subtract do whatever until you get a shape that's symmetrical and comfortable to their healthy side. Mm-hmm. Um, we use a thing called an iris button to give us direction of gaze. It has a little stem on it, and that stem, like the tip of it, represents where the pupil's at. And so once we get, we we position the gaze based off conversational point of view. So how you and I are talking, that's how we'll design the eye. Mm-hmm. So once we get the perfect direction of gaze, we will move to making a, a two-piece paint shell. Um, now, we're like, one of the few ocular issues that make eyeballs this way. Um, other, most places do like, they inlay the iris button while we uh, make a whole paint shell. So we, what, we're, what we have is called a scleral paint shell. The sclera is the wire of your eye, the iris is the color of your eye. Mm-hmm. So we have a two piece to where we can like paint on that, put it together, pop in the patient's head, see what adjustments we make, need to make, take it out make those adjustments and keep on doing that until we get a perfect match. Mm-hmm. Then once we get that match, we do the final process. Um, we cook it, uh, shape it up, pumice it, polish it, and then you got yourself a brand new eyeball. So to kind of dumb it down for me, person comes in, you analyze the socket that mm-hmm. the eye is not in. Mm-hmm. You analyze it, you size it. Mm-hmm. You make the eyeball according to kind of what the other eye looks like. Right. Position it, mm-hmm. pop it in, mm-hmm. trial and error it. Yep. And then that's the final product. Yep. That's really just it. No, a uh, okay. nutshell. Cool. The whole thing is a bunch of trial and error, um, which is great for me because 
I told you this earlier, I fail a lot. Like mm. failure is a common thing in my life. And that's something that I had to grow comfortable with. And like, I used to hate it until I realized I was watching hot ones and Johnny Knoxville was being interviewed. Mm-hmm. And that was a good one. Right. So you've seen it. And like one, the last question was like, failure is something that you regularly deal with. How, like, how, like, how does that make you feel? Like what are your views on failure? And he said, failure isn't the opposite of success. It's part of the process. Mm. And if you're not failing at something, you're not trying hard enough. I'm just like, oh. Yeah. So in other words, like, I guess I'm doing things right. And it, it, that was like, once I realized that, it took off a whole lot of like stress and this weight I had on my shoulder. Like, fuck, I suck at everything. I can't do things. I was like, no, 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 no. Everyone, well, everyone like, you're granted, like, people are at different levels. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to try hard at something, you're going to hit a wall. You're going to get stumped at some point. And then the true failure is giving up or not learning. Mm. And what makes and what I learned was what, what what made people successful is just dedication and consistent and can like just hard work and being consistent consistent at it. And so like the once I realized that, then all of a sudden like I'm now making eyes that people are using, and now people are like putting this shit in their head and like yes this is part of my face. People can't tell that I'm wearing this eye, and I'm like once I heard that I was like oh my god that was a successful eye. Mm-hmm. And so once I made a successful eye and keep in mind, like I came into this job with zero art experience. Mm-hmm. I had to learn from like the basics all the way to where I am now. So my question that was kind of touching on my question that I had for you is like coming into something that is a little bit art related, right? How, what was that learning curve like? And, like, what was that process for you like of just, like, being like, okay, I'm not coming from any kind of artistic background. How the hell am I going to paint this eye? So, difficulty didn't scare me. I was going to go to chiropractic school, and I heard this being compared to med school in terms of, like, level of difficulty. And, that like, hard work doesn't phase me. Like, my family's broke. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like I don't come from money. Mm-hmm. So, if I want to make it somewhere, I knew I'm going to have to put my, like, just grind it out just work hard until I get to the top and like I know like coming from the bottom I'm gonna have to eat shit until I can like get to a point where I'm like no I'm too good for that like I, I'm on the next level like you know I worked my spot I'm putting in my dues um, but it was literally literal blood sweat and tears like frustration like I'll paint an eye for four hours and my mentors would come in like not good enough erase it start over so four hours of work, erase it, start over. And it was like that for days. And you're painting on eyes. Yeah, so like on that little like canvas. And like it's literally like holding something like this. I have my magnifying glass and it's like super focused. Mm. Um, and that one thing that what it really taught me was endurance for focus. And it taught me to sharpen my focus. Um, but now I can paint an eye on average an hour and 15 minutes. So we make an eye in one day, whereas most places it takes them about three days. Mm. Um, But like, I realized what was holding me back, obviously it was myself, but it was like my overthinking. And like, this job really taught me how to trust myself and be like, this is good work. This is something that 
I am ready for you to look at and accept. This is something that I'm ready for my boss to look at and be like, yes, we can sell that. This is something I'm ready for the surgeon to look at and be like, that's, you know, like, because not only I'm impressing the patient, my boss and the surgeon, but I'm also impressing everyone else. And like, say if someone walked up to you and was like, I can tell you have a fake eye. That means I didn't do my job well. Mm. And so that's really the goal is to make sure we trick everybody. So something that I'm pretty well, like, that I know pretty well is like, you know, tattoos, right? Yeah. Tattoos, a lot of the time you'd ask a, you know, a tattoo artist, like, I hear a bunch of tattoo artists, I have a couple of friends that are tattoo artists, mm-hmm. like, what's the coolest thing? And then they always tell me the coolest thing is, you know, that you, what you're putting on a person will be there for forever. Yep. You know, it's like a piece of you that is for them. Yeah. You know, yep. obviously you're going to make a tattoo that they want, but you're putting your own twist on it. You're putting your own spin on it. And you know that that's going to be on that person for the rest of their life. Yep. Would you kind of say that that's kind of similar to making eyes? Similar. Um, but like it, it's recommended that you get your eye updated. Mm. So adults typically get their eyes updated every three to five years, kids every one to three. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's due to changes in the socket, more spaces will come. If you lose five pounds, you lose it in your face first. And so that frees up a lot of space in your eye socket. Mm. Um, and also changes in color. So as you age, your eye color will change. I had no idea. The wow. whites of your eye will get darker and the color of your eye typically gets lighter. Mm. And so people will come in and they'll have eyes that are 25 years old. And to me, that's like, it amazes me. But the thing is like, because this was an industry that wasn't regulated until recently, different oculars had different theories on how to take care of your eyes and so some of them were like oh yeah you pop this in forget about for like ever you don't have to update your eye ever and it's like no that's not the case mm. because the older the eye gets the more likely like the well, plastic is porous it's going to absorb all those proteins and junk in your socket so it's going to have all this like years and years of buildup and the more likely you can get like infections in your socket um and, and it's very obvious that it doesn't match your eye um typically they come in and their eye looks really closed and sleepy um the eye color doesn't match and like the thing is they don't see it because that was their normal look for the past 25 years mm. and when we break the news to them it's like what it doesn't match mm. i don't see it but to us it's like and literally anyone else at this point it's like yeah like like some people like they think that like their like their friends think that they have a lazy eye mm-hmm. um but the th- moral of the story is they can tell that there's something off with that eye and so like We'll come in, we'll break the news, and, and that's hard for them. And so we have to tell them, all right, you have to wear your new eye for three months to break up with your old look and get acquainted with your new look. Mm-hmm. And if you still have an issue with your new look, then we'll address it then. But for right now, you have a bias, and we need for you to break that bias. Um, but, like, it is kind of like a part of me, a part of my hard work is going into this and becoming someone else it's for someone else and yeah like especially when it's like their first eye when they just lost their eye they went through a huge traumatic event and so like my boss said that like the surgeons are like the more science end of it and we're the more therapist end of it Mm. and so like our goal is to get the patient to realize that they are still them with or without that eye like losing their eye did not define them granted it is like something that's traumatic and it's probably going to like going to be a milestone in their lives 
but it's not something that should define you. Right. Um, like, hell, we had this one patient, and he was a professional model, and yet he was wearing a prosthesis. Wow. And, like, no one could tell. Right. You know? Um, and you guys did it for him? That, no, no, no. He, that was, just like, his first eye, that was, like, back, like, somewhere oh, like gotcha, gotcha. in New York or Philly or something. And then he came to us, and after, like, I think, like, two decades, and, like, all right, yeah, we'll upgrade your eye. And that was high pressure because, like, you know, he's a pretty boy. He's going to want to look good. And plus, he's well acquainted with that. He was in love with that one eye. And so he has high expectations for the second eye. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like, people who tend to wear eyes are that old. It's really hard because, like, that's all they know, that one look. Mm-hmm. And for them to accept a new look and be like, yes, pass. Like, that that that's something that doesn't come easy to them. Right. And so that three months of like, we have a refit pop appointment. That three months gives them that comfort, and then that's where they get their, that's where they become acquainted with their new look. Gotcha. So that's awesome, man. That's like, you're literally. I mean, like you said, it's like a therapy, right? Like you're helping people feel normal again. You're helping people love themselves. You know, I th- I think that that's like a an amazing thing to do, dude. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I appreciate that. Thank that you. No, that's sick. I, I see that. That's why I find so interesting about this is like the fact that something that you know something that no one thinks about. No one, no one ever considers that that's its own huge industry. Right. See, that's the thing. I didn't even think about that too until like I met my band teacher. He was mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, my wife makes prosthetic eyes." I'm like, "That is a necessary thing." I see why people would want like a prosthetic eye. Yeah. Um, excuse me. But like. Yeah, like whenever I tell people I make eyeballs, they're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. But, you know, I was in the same boat. So, like, I get it. It's something, like, especially since, like, like if you're successful at it and people can't tell you're wearing a fake eye, like, no one's going to think about it, mm-hmm. you know? What, um, what is, having said all that, what is your, what do you feel like your main goal is? And I know that's, like, a huge question, right? Like, what's, you know, that's, like, so you're asking me, like, what, defines like the rest of my life you know but like what are what is some of your i guess any kind any for anyone that has a job right they have a goal they have an end thing that they want to accomplish what is your thing with within um what you do what is your i guess something that you either a milestone that you want to hit or well short term or i guess right now what i'm working towards is to be board certified Mm -hmm. um so a board certified ocularist that's like it, it takes five years for the college of ocularistry once you graduate you can take an additional four more years of experience mm-hmm. and then you qualify for your board, certific- board certification exams and then once you pass once there is I think like a single digit success rate of people passing I forget the percentage but it's like it's very very low that people mm-hmm. pass um, once you pass then you become a full fledged board certified ocularist um, so right now I'm a year into college technically too but I'm not counting the second year because corona mm-hmm. and like it, it's put me like behind in terms it's of like classes behind, exactly yeah. like my boss says this is like the forgotten year and so uh, so like really I'm just a year in college um, but the way that I'm training I am getting my four years of experience while I'm going to school um, most people um, don't get to work on patients um, I, I talked to this one ocularist in Chicago and he was like, yeah, I didn't let my patient, I mean, I didn't let my apprentice touch 
a patient's eye until two years in. And even then, all he did was polish it. Wow. Um, and, like, I learned polishing, like, on day three. Yeah. Polishing is super easy. You take an eye out, and you literally just polish it under a wheel, and then it's done. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, so I'm really glad that I'm doing it this way just so when I graduate college, like, five years, I don't have another four years to, like, go do that. Right. So that way I, I can be in my 20s and board certified, mm-hmm. which, like, that's super cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not just to be clear. It's not like you're skipping steps. No. It's you're, you're taking all the necessary steps. Right. Right. It's just a little bit faster than it would be with. Right. Than like a, like a, you know, whatever the, I guess the regular kind of thing is. Right. And I asked my boss about that. And she was like, reason why is because like we only have the one clinic. Mm-hmm. And so like we were booked before I came on, we were booked six weeks out. Wow. Like patients and plus, so like people were waiting like a couple months to get their eye, mm-hmm. and my boss was like, "We can't have that. We need another ocularist on staff to like get more people." Mm-hmm. And so like when I first came on, like I added a whole lot more work because I had no clue art, like mm-hmm. no art experience. So I had to learn everything, and then once I started learning stuff and could make eyes, then I lined up the load. But once quarantine hit, like everything stopped, and then once we reopened the clinic, we started booking, booking more eyes. People wanted their eyes more than they were afraid of getting sick. And now we're fully booked and we're booked like six weeks out and that's not even including new surgeries. Wow. So like now we're like, just like really, like we, booked, we booked. we're booked, booked and yeah. it's going to be slammed until like this year ends from like what it seems like, which it's great because like that means I get to help all these people. Um, and I guess for selfish reasons, it means I have like better job security. And like, mm-hmm. I know, especially during these times, like I am so thankful that like I have that. Yeah. This virus is definitely taking a, mm-hmm. a toll on a lot of jobs, man. It was like reading about it. It was like, was it like over, there's millions of people that lost their jobs. It's man. crazy, dude. It's crazy. Like even I went on like unemployment for a hot second. Like we had to close down and like, just like. Like, like I, I didn't get paid for a little bit. And so yeah. like, all right, let me hop on it for a second. And it took, I didn't even get it in like, um, so then once I got rehired, fast forward, like, to, like I applied for unemployment in like early April, fast forward to late May. That's when I got that unemployment check. And I was like, well, I don't need it now. And I called him and I was like, Hey, like I got this, like, I don't, I got this money from you guys. I don't need it. And like, I don't want it in case I'm getting, going to get in trouble for getting it. But Oh no, no, no. That was for when you applied it for like all those weeks back in April. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, well, thanks. But like, I needed it way more then than I do now. But like, cool that you guys don't care that I had it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is weird. I, something else like something like, so I like temporarily lost, temporarily lost my job and took them like, and I don't want to make this about, you know, the, <laughs> right, the right. States, you know, unemployment program, but um, I, you know, applied for mine somewhere in, you know, March and I didn't get my check up all the way up until like recently, you know, like right. end of April or something like that. And I was like, whoa, 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 what is all this like money you guys are giving me? And they had to run me down in the same thing. This was the money that you were supposed to get like two months ago. And I'm just like, right. Oh man. But that's just how backed up they are and how yeah. many people are like, and like every time, like I was like ringing up that line, like. And it kept on getting like busy, hang up, busy, yeah. hang up. And then like, it's just like, there's a ton of people out there that are doing the same thing. And it, 
and it's like fuck it's like a year ago the comedy was booming you yeah. know unemployment yeah. was at like the lowest thing and then like now it's all just like fuck yeah I mean it's rebounding a little bit yeah. but it's still like like I don't think it's where it was like where it once was no it's gonna take a while it's gonna take I mean I hear some people say a year I hear some people say half a year and, I, and then I hear you know some people say two years you know so right. it's like well, you just well, you don't know Right. You know, it's such a new thing that happened. It's never happened like this before, you know? Right. Especially in our lifetimes. And, like, I never thought I was going to live through something like this. I remember, like, in school hearing about, like, all these, like, big events that like have their history. World War One, too, like, right. you know, Cold War and all these different things. And then, right. and then, boom, this thing happens, and we can't even leave our houses for, like, <laughs> a hot second, you know? So. Right, right. And, God, like, I remember someone, like, posting somewhere, like, I'm never going to say the term I'm bored lightly after this. Yeah. And, like, that's so true. Like, yeah. And, like, one of my friends were, like, we took normal for granted and just, like, yeah, like, going to the store without worry or, like, going to a restaurant with all your buddies and, like, Back then, it was just the same old, same like, oh, I'm just going to Walmart, ugh. And now it's just like, I wish I could just go to Walmart without a mask. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, just to clarify, any anyone sitting behind that uh, computer and that's like kind of like shaming us for not wearing masks or anything, we both made sure that we have mm-hmm. like a very minimal exposure to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I've literally sat in my house for the last like three months, you know what I mean? And so, and we do, we both do our part to kind mm-hmm. of, you know, use masks and stuff like that. But Wash it is crazy. Things. Right. It is crazy. You know, you have, basically masks is like part of the attire now. Yep. Yep. They're getting you know? styled and everything. And yeah. Like, you see the mask and the Nike swoop and like yeah. all that. Like, yeah, it's now becoming a fashion statement, which like, that's crazy. Yeah. But even then, like, like we had at work, like we have like different colored masks and mm-hmm. I make sure to pick the cool color one that best match my clothes. <laughs> what, what color? Like the black, all black mask. I, mean, I feel like it's pretty hard to like Hell mismatch. Yeah. But like. Hell yeah, dude. I, don't know, I, I know everyone has said this a dozen times, but the world's crazy. The world is insane. The world is insane. Um, I mean, God, I don't even think that us saying that does anything justice. You know what <laughs> no, I mean? God no. like, <laughs> you know, everyone is wherever they are, you know, and it's like, um, it is crazy. I mean, um, so having talked about, you know, what you do for a living mm-hmm. and your goals and things that you want to accomplish, I kind of wanted to end the podcast by uh so we have another mutual thing that we both love and that you wouldn't really want to get into is like music right rapid yeah so like <laughs> what made what like everyone's probably like okay so there's this guy right and he's like doing eyes like what how does like the two have any correlation to do with one another so um it even says in my work bio that I freestyle rap in my spare time which is very <laughs> true I, I love freestyle rapping I do like it's really good brain exercise um but like what got me into it that it goes back to middle school I would make up these like bullshit jingles and I even made one about Clay's house um, <laughs> Clay is the mutual friend that actually introduced right. us so so like ever since so like, and then like I was in like middle school band high school band and then uh, my Clay and I and a couple of our friends did a bullshit band after a freshman year of uh, college um, called Space Cadets best band in the world not really we sucked but like you know it was, it was just fun um <laughs> But, like, so I always just, in, like, loved and enjoyed just doing stuff with music. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, like, my, like, main creative outlet. I didn't really do stuff like draw or paint or anything like that. I was always just more musical than anything. And so uh, my friend John and I in college, um, 
Well, actually, no. Like freshman year of college, like my floor started hosting rap battles, and so we would just get like the local like, rappers in our college, and they would just come to our floor and just have rap battles. This is uh, App State. Yeah, yeah. And it was like th- like the first month, and I was like, "This is cool. Like these, this is like the freestyle rappers coming to my floor and just like having these battles right in front of us, entertaining." And so, like my friend John and I, like fast forward, we just start freestyle rapping together, like whenever we hung out. And like we we both got better and better and better, and like I don't know if he still does it, but like this is something like a skill that I wanted to maintain, and so like I kept on freestyle rapping, and then Clay was like, and so I started freestyle rapping around Clay. He was like, oh, you got to meet my friend Dima. He raps too, and then that's that's how we met. That's where I came in. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's sick, dude. Yeah, no, that's um my my story is like. A little bit different and i'm sure everyone is, is different right because we're all different people living in different worlds mm. um but no that's yeah that's super super sick how um what what do you think like as a kid and early on were you listening to a lot of rap music or so like when i was like four and five i was really into rap music like i was all about 50 cent eminem and like my parents didn't give a fuck about what I listened to. Like yeah. we were the house where you would come and watch rated R movies. Yeah. And like it was funny. Like I remember like, like Family Guy and shit. Yeah, Family Guy and all that. Like I, like that was the house that you came over, you wanted to do bad kid things, yep. and you did bad kid things That's in my sick. house. And so um and so we like I was like bumping in the club and you're like all like all the stuff I don't hear on the radio because I didn't really like dive deep into like I was only like a little kid. Right, right. Um and then I remember fifty cent dropped candy shop. And I was like, I might be too long to listen to this. I'm going <laughs> to stop listening to rap music. So then I stopped listening to rap music until freshman year of high school. Oh, so there's a big gap. It was a huge gap. What, what were you listening to in between? Rock. Um, okay. 80s rock, 90s rock, 70s. Like, I was huge into rock around that time. Um, but I really did it out of like guilt. And so <laughs> once I realized I was bullshit, I was like, whoa. Why? Like, why am I not listening to rap? So I got, I really got into Outcast. Um, Outcast oh, is what got me. Like the fucking yeah, those, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you mean, you mean like real rap, like real yeah. for sure. Yeah, so that's that, awesome. And so like that's what kind of shaped me as like my rapper persona is just Outcast, mm. and that's just the kind of stuff I want to be rap about, like stuff that they talk about, like real stuff. Because um, yeah, everyone can rap about sex, money, weed, um, and like yeah, that's that fun. Like that stuff can be fun to like rap about, you know, just on a hype beat kind of like oh yeah blah 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 mm-hmm. um but i think it takes a real skill to make something serious sound really good mm. and so that's why i really respect that's why i really respect artists like outcast and that's what really got me into it um really got me back into rap and then like discovered kendrick lamar and j cole and then like now i'm like studying those rappers and like I, i'm really into gid right now and like i don't know like it's just i really enjoy conscious rap mm. like that's the kind of rapper like I strive to be is a conscious rapper. Okay. Well, sick, dude. I mean, like, yeah, dude, I remember. So we're similar in that, like, I'm an immigrant. Your parents, were you born here? Yeah, I was born in North Carolina, but so, my dad was in Iran. My mom's from Mexico. Right, Iran and Mexico. And, like, we're coming from kind of, like, the foreigner households, right? Right. And my, my parents were, like, completely against me listening to, like, rap music because like where I'm coming from it's like classical music and me you know my dad was like really heavy into like you know shit in his era like the Beatles and like Pink Floyd and and, and things like that so like 
whenever I, I had to like listen to like I remember my dad would pick me up from school mm-hmm. and we would go back to wherever we were staying at and he would leave the car and I was like yeah dad I'll just stay in here and like <laughs> hang out and listen to some music and then I would like as soon as he left I would turn on like 102 jams or like right. you know like a hip hop station and just listen just like sit there for like hours and listen my dad would have to come out and like get me out of the car <laughs> like but that's how you know it's real yeah no no for sure dude so that's that's always that's always good for me to that's cool that's real cool I didn't know that that's yeah. real cool yeah so the shit is a it's a passion and um, I don't, I don't think, I think a lot of people take what they listen to for granted. They don't mm-hmm. think of how long it took someone to make that song or mm-hmm. like what it took to make that album or like mm-hmm. what that person had to go through in order to just to write about the, the thing that they're talking about. Right. You know, so I, that I do also appreciate that part of music. Right. You know what I mean? And which is also why I'm like super fashion fascinated by the eye thing, right? Like people don't even think about that being a whole fucking industry and you know this this the thing that you just told me about, like the woman driving the car and all of a sudden the fucking the bird flies in and just hits her. That that's insane, man. Yeah, I remember when I first heard that, I was like, Oh no, that's not what you want and like see, those are the stories that freak me out the most. Like here's another one. Like this lady, she when she was a little girl, she was sitting on a couch watching T V mind your own business doing nothing wrong and her little brother was playing with scissors and then somehow the scissors went across the room and stabbed her right in the eye oh my god and i was like like you were just minding your own business you were doing everything right and then you lost an eyeball she was like yep and i was like i am so sorry she's like yeah i got over it no pun intended no (laughs) you said i (laughs) (laughs) Um, no whenever like my like i tell my friends like i I really hope i don't see in my office but if you do I got you. you yeah. <laughs> you told me that when I when we first met, he was like, Yo, I really hope that you don't ever have to visit me, but if you do, I got you. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> well shit, I mean having said all that, we're yo, so when we first started this podcast thing, we're having like hour and a half episodes and like mm. two uh, almost two hour episodes and now we're trying to cut it down, but um I really appreciate you coming in here. Oh, no problem, man. Talking to me about it, what you do, and what you're passionate about, and kind of sharing it with the viewers. Um, I really, really thank you guys for tuning back in to the 49 Podcast. Thank you so much. Nick isn't here, but he will be. He will be back. Um, and we will keep this thing going for as long as we need to, and as long as we can. So again, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. You guys, please hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, throw down a comment. If you have any questions, if you want to reach out to Armand, if you want to reach out to me, if you want to reach out to Nick, even if he's gone, we all look at it. Let's create a discussion. You know, let's, um, and if you have someone that you would want to come on here, dude, I would love to have them. Send me anyone, you know, thanks again so much, guys. It's the 49 Aeon Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.